Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. And our show is located on the ancestral lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase, Treaty 13, of 1805. And on the Tacoma Sequem territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequem-Ulu. Although this is my last recording, Joe, coming from a different part of the world in Algonquin Anishinaabeg territory, which is actually really close to today's text. So... Hmm. Today's text, A Sister by Bastien Vive, is set in France, but the Canadian film adaptation, Falcon Lake, was filmed in Gore, Quebec, which is the traditional home of the Mohawk, Algonquin, and Anishinaabeg peoples. Joe, mm-hmm. this was an interesting week just in terms of, you know, we read a book in translation, and yep. then we watched like a transatlantic adaptation of it. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of a whole bunch of kind of layers of translation interpretation going on here sure uh what did you think of the text this week yeah so this was interesting it's been a while since we've tackled a comic and i think i mentioned this to you offline that a lot of the artwork and possibly because it's set at a cottage during the summer and this reminded me a lot of the text we did earlier by jillian and mariko tanaki Yes, there's real This One Summer vibes, <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure. And I think part of it is sort of the breathy artwork, which is my yes. totally unscientific way of describing art that feels almost sketchy in its sort of depictions. <laughs> yes, it's sketch-based, not sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, not like sketchy like a scrub, but like... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, there's something very airy about the images in this book that does evoke that kind of carefree, aimless yeah. summer expression. Yeah, to the point where sometimes people's faces don't even have a lot of features on them. Like, mm-hmm. there's something, I don't know, it does remind me a lot about nostalgia, almost like we're mm-hmm. looking back and things are a little bit hazy in our memory. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And it also made me think to be like, totally like, comics teacher nerd Mm -hmm. here it made me think of you know scott mcleod's theory that the more you generalize appearance the fewer details you include the easier Mm -hmm. it is to universalize an experience right you know this character isn't sort of one specific character in one moment in time he's kind of on every character almost Mm -hmm. and brenna what character are we talking about what is (laughs) a sister even about Good question. Okay, so A Sister by Bastien Vive is definitely, we're firmly in the coming of age uh, sort of genre here. It's the story of 13-year-old Antoine. Uh, Antoine and his brother and his parents are at the French seaside for the summer. They spend their whole summer in this kind of rental house. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, they are joined sort of surprisingly by their mom's best friend, Antoine's mom's best friend, and her daughter. And it turns right. out the backstory here is that Antoine's mom, <laughs> Antoine's mom's friend, she has had a miscarriage and right. she's sort of needing to kind of escape her world and heal. And so this woman and Helen join them. And so now we have 13-year-old Antoine and 16-year-old Helen. And through Helen, Antoine begins to experience sort of the teenage world. His brother is younger than him, and for the most part, he's content to, like, 
do little kid things with his brother until Helene introduces him to worlds of like stealing booze and going to beach parties at night. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, because it's a coming of age story, we have some sexual awakening happening. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, and there's definitely a sense that like Helen is like the older, more experienced, although we find out she's not actually as experienced as she lets on, mm-hmm. figure who's kind of giving Antoine this space to explore. But what's interesting and a tension I think we need to talk about between the comic and the film is that in the film, there's a real sense that she's just kind of killing time with Antoine in the, who's not his name in the film, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> but in the comic, there really does seem to be like a meaningful connection between the two characters. And it culminates with this climactic scene where Antoine wants to swim out across this channel and he wants to go with the older boys to do it because he's mm-hmm. really kind of trying to show Helen he's like a bit, an older guy too. Mm-hmm. And she like hysterically is like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Come back, come back. And he eventually gives in and doesn't. Uh, and it turns out that the three boys who were trying to swim the channel die in mm-hmm. the process. They all drown. They all drown and... Antoine obviously survives and Helen leaves the next morning. And so this is sort of this very eventful and yet simultaneously uneventful summer together. Mm-hmm. So this was interesting for me because I ended up watching the film first and mm. then I went and read the comic. So I was expecting less graphic sexuality oh, yeah. in the book. <laughs> yeah. As we'll talk about when we get to the film, there's definitely a couple of instances of sexuality between the two, but it's almost more the Antoine character yearning for her, Mm -hmm. and then her sort of, as you said, yeah, like passing time, maybe practicing some skills she wants to employ on the older boys, whereas in the comic, she very firmly engages him in a variety of sexual activities, and Mm -hmm. I will confess there's always something a little uncomfortable for me looking at comics of sexuality. Like, it just plays so different than reading it and imagining it in your mind. Mm -hmm. And I think we probably should pause here to note for listeners that Bastien Vive has been... He is currently under investigation, actually, by the French government um, for depictions of child pornography in some Mm -hmm. of his comics. And I think... You know, it's a difficult thing to talk about because we have seen how even especially in a Canadian context, Joe, like criminalizing art has Mm -hmm. been used against lots of different populations, including and specifically queer men in Canada. Like that's been a a thing where bookstores have been shut down for the materials that they sell. Mm -hmm. And there's always this question about like, what is a crime versus a thought crime? Um, But two different NGOs who work on child trafficking and child sexual assault materials have complained to the French government about Bastien Vide's work, not this volume, I want to hasten to add. It's other works. And Vive has talked in the press about how he employs what he calls a burlesque style to satirically explore sexuality and burgeoning sexuality in particular Mm -hmm. so this is one of those things joe where i don't think we know enough to to pass a judgment i don't think like i didn't go and look up the works because if they are i don't want to see them and Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i think it's just worth us putting that out there because you know we may have listeners who are personally impacted by these things 
I don't want you to go and look for Bastion Vives work and like be surprised. So right. we're just kind of putting this out there as a like an FYI. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not particularly germane to this conversation, as you said, but definitely. I can't lie. It's something that I had in the back of my mind mm-hmm. as I was reading the comic, and. It's funny how it alters your perception of the art, right? You know, I started to wonder, oh, is this more salacious? Is this rape in the book? Because she is, I mean, here in Canada, she is a consenting adult in terms of like matters of sexuality, whereas he is underage. So this would be considered statutory rape here in Canada. See, I I think it's close. We have those laws, right, for when youth are within a certain age of each other and they're both under 18 so like Mm -hmm. but regardless of the legality of it it is super uncomfortable because there's a power dynamic at play right and i think part of what makes it uncomfortable is that antoine isn't aware of what makes it uncomfortable right so like antoine's (laughs) just like wow there's this older girl who's like into me but you know we've heard more and more through social media through me too movements through young men beginning to speak about their experiences that like these experiences that are kind of like culturally like, hey, way to go, um, can also be violating and traumatizing. And and mm-hmm. for me, that was the echo that kept running through my head. Like, right. by the end of the comic, when you realize that Helen also has strong feelings for Antoine, like that this mm-hmm. is, there's a deeper connection there, I felt like a lot of that resolved. But early in the comic, it's definitely uncomfortable, or at least I mm-hmm. found it uncomfortable. Well, I'm curious, how do you figure the title into this? Because we learn at one point (laughs) that Antoine's mother also suffered a miscarriage and he would have had an older brother or sister, hence the title. So Helene ends up becoming something like a surrogate sister for a time until their relationship becomes sexual. But I do think that that's part of the conflation or maybe some of the ickiness that people might feel is like she's taking advantage of the almost sibling-like relationship that they have. However, coming of age and supposedly willing Antoine is. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating sort of connection, this notion of sisterliness, because without mm-hmm. the title, I don't think it would have the same no. resonance. Like, no. Vive is actively asking us to look to the title, and we should note that that's not a change that the translator made. It's un sur en français, so it's like it's a sister or it's a sister. It's the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting because otherwise it's a single throwaway comment. It's two throwaway comments, right? It's the throwaway yep. comment about the potential older sister, and it's the throwaway comment about the two of them on the beach. Mm-hmm. And without the title, I don't think those would resonate the same way. So that's interesting too. Like he's almost wanting us to see the relationship as inappropriate, even as he's increasingly crafting Helen's character to be more and more sympathetic as the narrative progresses. Mm -hmm. And folks, if you haven't read the comic, the the second comment is basically Helen is hanging out with a group of older boys. You mentioned those are the people that Antoine is trying to impress by swimming across. Basically, she engages him in a variety of different kind of like parties and activities that he's a little too young for. But one of the boys who is obviously courting Helen thinks that she's sexually available. Mm -hmm. He remarks that she and Antoine look similar. And he asks, oh, are you related? Are you siblings? And they think it's so funny. Yeah, exactly. And she starts calling him, hey, like, hey, little brother, but only for that 
two or three frames, right? It's mm-hmm. not a gag that like gets no. consistently used through the comic. And interestingly, it's not a frame that the parents put around their relationship either. Like you no. know, how sometimes when you're raised up with kids who are like the kids of your parents' close friends, there mm-hmm. is that kind of dynamic. Yep. But that doesn't seem to be the case here. This is the oldest closest friend of Antoine's mom, but. Like, there's been some absence there. They're not, like, they weren't raised together, put it that way. They're they're mm-hmm. discovering each other in all kinds of ways <laughs> in this narrative. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I feel like I want to talk about some of the changes that the film yeah. makes because it does recontextualize my feelings about the comic. So why don't we shift to the film? Let's do it. C'est vrai qu'il y a quelqu'un qui s'est noyé ici. Ils ont trouvé corde à jeunes dans part sauvage là, là-bas. Ah Je me suis vu ou quoi Même peut-être. Il y a des fantômes qui réalisent même pas qu'ils sont morts. Continuent à vivre avec nous, mais ils peuvent communiquer avec personne. Ben, sauf avec toi. Tu peur d'être un peu limité par le fantôme? J'y crois pas trop, donc. Okay, so. Unso becomes Falcon Lake in 2022. It's directed by Charlotte Lebon, and she co-writes the script with Francois Choquette, as well as Bastien Vives. Uh, and I'm also going to give a shout out now in case I forget later. The director of photography of this film is Christophe Brandel, and... Uh, I basically just wanted to make sure I recognize the contributions of this individual because this film is gorgeous. It's so beautiful. Like, folks, this... <laughs> I'm not just saying this as someone who, like, grew up looking at, like, this kind of landscape. Wilderness, yeah. It is so beautiful, but also the way it's filmed, it, like... It's haunting, eh? It's haunting. And it makes you nostalgic, and it almost feels like it's going to be a ghost story. And, of course, there is a through mm. line of a ghost story, so it's like, is this going to be kind of supernatural? Right. There's just so much going on in the visual world of the film that you should all watch it just for that. Even if you, even if we don't sell you on the story, mm-hmm. <laughs> go watch it for the visuals. <laughs> for sure. Okay, so we've got Joseph Engel as Bastien, and I thought that this was a very odd choice because obviously Bastien is the first name of the author so weird. who worked on this script. So yeah, Antoine is now Bastien, mm-hmm. still 13 on the cusp of 14. We've got Sarah Montpetit as Chloe instead of Helene. And then we've got Anthony Terrain as Oliver, who is the Anglo that Chloe is sort of dancing around. So she has an attraction to this boy who is age appropriate to her. But also the movie very much presents him as your classic teenage douchebag. Yeah, he's he, he's not great. Joe and I were talking off air about how this is a dynamic we see a lot in mm-hmm. Canadian cinema from both perspectives, the sort of two solitudes. So to have a French Canadian film where mm-hmm. the douchiest character is an Anglo is like both not surprising Classic. and comically Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> so much so to the point that I wonder if international audiences watch our films and pick up on it. But yeah, like watching this, you're like, oh, yeah. This is a Quebec film. <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100%. I mean, technically, it's a Quebec film 
co-production with France. And it is worth noting that that's an interesting change to the narrative. Bastien is still French. He's a Mm -hmm. boy from Paris who has flown to Quebec for his summer holidays. And there's a real sort of like fish out of water, fancy Uh European vibe to him. He's very scared of dressing like a European. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes, he's France French, as I like to say. He's not Quebec French. It's a big, it's a big difference, folks, if you're not aware. It really is. Yeah. (laughs) Even linguistically, I remember Mm. I insulted someone from France when I asked if they were from either uh, New Brunswick or Quebec, and they looked at me like I had killed their dog or something, because of course, (laughs) it's a lot more guttural and slangy in Canada, whereas France is kind of proper French. Not at all a colonial perspective to have. (laughs) No, no. Okay, so um, we also have Thomas Lapierre as Titi. That is Bastien's younger, less annoying brother. So Titi is kind of present in the film. He's there at the beginning. And I love that Chloe immediately (laughs) recognizes that Bastien is just giving this little brother basically activities to keep him occupied so that Bastien does not have to look after him. Mm -hmm. Whereas the younger brother in the comic is much more present. He's quite a whiny, demanding sibling, and it plays into the kind of establishment in the sibling-esque dynamic between both the actual brothers and then the faux brother-sister. Well, you can say it, Joe. He's a hardcore C-blocker in the in the comic. <laughs> oh, my God. Child, why won't you just go to bed so that <laughs> Antoine can get some? <laughs> we also have Arthur Egal as Roman. That's Bastien's dad. We have Mania Chakri as Violette, Bastien's mother. And then finally, Karine Gauthier Hidman as Louise, that's Chloe's mother. So the premise is almost identical, right? Where we've got friend of the family and daughter crashing at the summer cottage. I don't remember, Brenna, is there a miscarriage in this situation? Or is it just like they're coming to visit for a week? They're just coming to visit for a week. They're just like, yeah, it's Bastien and his family are like the visitors here and they're Mm -hmm. sort of entering into this world. But yeah, I don't remember a miscarriage plotline, and I usually notice those. Right, yeah. And um, I will note also that there seems to be like, is there a dad figure? There's at least another dude hanging around for um, Chloe. Because I read, Joe, I got to tell you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I read some weird reviews of this film. And more than one made reference to the idea that the parents are swingers. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I did not get that when I was watching the film. I have to say, I know they like, like they like wine and they go out and party but i did Mm -hmm. i did not pick up on the swingers plot line can i just say there is some interesting sexual tension in that scene where everybody gathers in the kitchen and they're tasting the Mm. wine and the wine is obviously terrible because Mm. the man brews it himself and i love the reactions but yeah i could see it but also i think that's a tenuous claim to make it's sort of if they were both american reviewers and it sort of gave me vibes like Someone watched too many scrambled blue movies as teen and assumes that all French Canadian (laughs) stories are secretly about that. (laughs) Well, and then there's the other weird piece that a lot of reviews for the film seem to misconstrue, which is that people read Bastien and Chloe as cousins. Yes. And they don't have a familial relationship. This is not an incest movie. I have a theory about this, Joe. 
Mm-hmm. I My theory is that we are so unused to seeing female friendships on screen right. that when two women are close, we just code them as sisters in our brains. <laughs> Quite possibly. Yes. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's so funny because it's so out of nowhere. Like, and as Joe's saying, like multiple reviews, like more than one review make reference to like cousin Chloe. And I'm like, what? Mm-mm. <laughs> Says who? Yeah, the only other thing that I could imagine is if maybe a press release got sent out with an inaccurate logline. Did the logline also have swingers in it? <laughs> yes. I mean, people really want to sexualize this movie that, <laughs> really as do. we said, is not as sexually graphic as the comic. Like, we get a kind of intimate, like, washing each other down scene, Ooh. and she definitely gets him to touch her and she touches him Mm -hmm. but like there's no mouth stuff in the film whereas in the comic it's like oh she definitely goes down on him after a bike ride yeah which ew but also (laughs) (laughs) brenna's like biking is tantamount to walking and i don't like it just saying have a shower first that's all i'm saying wow judgy (laughs) don't don't kink shame brenna Yeah, so you mentioned offhandedly that there is another element that's unique to the film, and that's the fact that this is poised gently as something of a ghost story. So Chloe, she's got an interest in photography where she likes to pose as a ghost around Falcon Lake and have Bastian take her picture. There's actually shades of the movie Ginger Snaps where she almost has this obsession with death and... The girls in that movie also like to pose for macabre photographs, but their interest is properly in horror, whereas Chloe seems, I think, loosely interested in the idea of just making this beach vacation something more memorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely just this sense that she is bored yes. <laughs> of the world around her and often of the people around her and that she's trying to kind of gin up excitement where, wherever she can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned that you think she doesn't have as much of an interest in Bastien as a person. And I'm wondering, why do you feel that way? Because I, I'll confess, I didn't get the idea that she's playing with him quite as much. Okay, well, I read the comic first. So maybe mm-hmm. that's shaping my perception. But in the okay. comic, in the comic, it seems much more like the older guys are like the sort of gentle curiosity. Mm-hmm. And Antoine in the comic is who she's most connected to. Whereas to me, it's almost like the obverse is true in the film. Her interest is not just in like the older boys in general as a group, but in Mm -hmm. the one specific boy who, again, because he's Anglophone, you notice him in every scene, right? He's always the only person speaking English or forcing everyone Mm -hmm. around him to speak English because like that's what we do, Joe. Yep, it's true. And there's this kind of magnetism around him because of that. So I'm not sure if it's just the fact that there's a single boy of interest in Mm -hmm. the film version that makes it seem more like that's where she would rather be. Right. But that is definitely the vibe I got. I got a very like, I'm killing time with this younger kid until my my Anglo dream boat (laughs) swings Mm -hmm. by again. He's not, guys. He's so douchey. <laughs> I mean, he's very he's very cute, but in the way where you're like, oh, this is a summertime fling that you're going to look back on with regret <laughs> when you become older. But at the time, it's very exciting. Much in the same way that Bastien is interested in Chloe as this aloof hot girl. You know, I love the fact that this is a female director mm-hmm. because 
you could really make the argument that so much of this is filtered through a male preteen boy gaze because we're seeing Chloe's body in almost fetishy kind of Mm -hmm. shots, right? Like we're seeing her boobs, we're seeing her butt. And I love the fact that we've got a female director who's able to put herself into the mindset of a young boy who would be looking at the curves. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's very persuasive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you do feel like you are being focalized through that perspective. I mean, we should also note that Sarah Montpetit, I think is, I actually think both leads in this movie are fantastic. Very, like very good. they really, they capture the nuance of this age, right? Where she just is more worldly. She has mm-hmm. this kind of sensual flair about her where she knows the impact she has on particularly Bastien but then she doesn't know quite how to wield it against someone like Oliver who is more of her mental and emotional match right because they're a little bit older well I think this is an important thing that's happening for Chloe slash Helen in both versions of the story which is exactly Mm -hmm. that like part of what is exciting about Bastien slash Antoine is that she does have incredible power over him in a mm-hmm. way that she just d- doesn't have over boys her own age for no. like all kinds of totally developmentally normal reasons. Well, and she's also so much more innocent compared to her yes. colleagues, right? In both texts, exactly. she talks about she's the last one of her friend group to not have sex. Exactly. And so, yeah, there's this dynamic of like part of what is attractive about Bastian slash Antoine is that he is under her spell in a way mm-hmm. that boys her age aren't to the same degree and i think that that's it's unsettling but it's a really dynamic part of their relationship that i think is is immensely both readable and watchable Mm -hmm. it also leads to a certain amount of comedic moments like there's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of discomfort in their relationship obviously because we are made aware of the age gap even though it's only just a couple of years but like when she invites him into her bed it feels dangerous right like we're constantly waiting for them to get exposed or discovered Mm -hmm. and it's ironic because the only time anyone is discovered in a sexual act in this movie is when chloe literally on a dare (laughs) masturbates in front of her mother and purposefully gets caught yeah and that's because she's trying to prove to bastien that is not the worst thing that could happen to you like your parents discovering you masturbating is not actually that big of a deal yeah I found that scene hilarious. It's very funny. There are very funny moments in this scene, and they're unexpected. Like, there's something about the sort of ethereal nature of the cinematography and the very serious way Bastion in particular moves through the world that the moments mm-hmm. of humor actually really catch you off guard, and I think it makes them work yeah. even better as a result. Yeah. Joe, mm-hmm. I have a question for you from, like, your, you know, fancy film background. Okay. <laughs> can, can we talk a bit about how time works in both of these texts? Because mm-hmm. both when I started reading the comic and when I started watching the film, like it could be set in the early 80s, right? Yes. And the costuming is very generic, temporally uh-huh. speaking. But then we get these moments in the comic book. It's like these moments where like Titi is obsessed with Pokemon, which mm-hmm. has not aged well, but also kind of has because Pokemon has had a resurgence. <laughs> I was going to say it aged perfectly for me because I live with a Pokemon fanatic. 
Um, I live with a six-year-old encyclopedia of all Pokemon facts. So for me, (laughs) there's this moment, there's those, but there's also the moment where they talk about the Nintendo 3DS that snap you into a very specific time period. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, the film does the exact same thing where you all of a sudden will get a shot of like a Nintendo Switch or something like that, or a cultural reference. And it mm-hmm. again, it's almost like you get snapped into this reality that, oh, actually, these people are existing alongside me. Yeah. I just wondered what your thoughts were on that, and, and maybe, like, the why, the impact of that choice. I was really curious about the way it echoed in both text and film. Well, it's interesting that you say it, because in the comic, it feels so much more deliberate i don't know if it's meant to specifically pinpoint a particular time period or rather just a kind of cultural idea right like it gives you a sense of who the younger brother character is like Mm -hmm. this is his mind frame this is what he's most interested in in the film i found that it was less obvious like even as you were talking about i was like oh right i think i vaguely remember that but for me the overwhelming impact of the visuals really made this almost timeless like Mm -hmm. you could look at some of the fashion like even the way that people wear their hair as demarking a certain point in time but i think the film took more deliberate careful effort to try to erase as many telltale signs of when this is taking place See, that's interesting to me because that I agree. And also that made those moments stand out so much for me, right. maybe because I read, watched it after reading the comic. Mm-hmm. And I found it interesting because for me, it almost had this effect of being like, don't go imagining that this is a period piece. Like, right. Mm-hmm. And the effect of that, I don't know what it is. Maybe it makes the characters more real or more immediate. I don't know. It was mm-hmm. really interesting to me because, you know, I don't always notice this kind of thing. Right. It's fascinating to me that you really took notice of it and I did not. But it's also the things that you're mentioning, I don't have as much of a personal connection to. Mm -hmm. So you said, oh, yeah, there's a switch. And I was like, is there? I guess maybe I remember one. So for me, not clocking it didn't take me out of the sort of timeless aspect. So there's almost a personal connection that some people will gravitate to and others won't. Yeah, that's totally true. It's fascinating. Yeah. So let's talk about the other big distinction that the film makes. So we've mentioned the ghost story. We've mentioned that Chloe has this interest in almost the macabre, right? The movie opens with her face down in the lake and you immediately read this as there's a body. There's going to be a mystery. Maybe Mm -hmm. we're going to flash back. And there's another point where the boys are walking back from the lake to the cottage and she's just lying in the middle of the road. And again, it looks like she's died or been (laughs) run over or something like that. She just does this. Mm -hmm. I got to interrupt you for one second to say, I think those choices are so interesting in contrast with the comic because Mm -hmm. in the comic, this is... Bastion's world, sorry, Antoine in the comic. He spent every summer here for his Mm -hmm. entire life. This is his world. And Helen is the interloper. Mm -hmm. But from that opening establishment shot of her being like fake dead in the lake, we know that this is Chloe's world. And instead, it's Bastion who is the interloper in her space who's going to have to learn how to interact with her and so Mm -hmm. the dynamic is so interesting because in the comic it's all about like Antoine seeing this whole different world that he's never had access to even though he's been here forever because Mm -hmm. Helen unlocks it whereas here everything is new for him I just find that 
it's such an interesting choice and it's like established from the first moment with you know her physical body in the lake like this is you could call this Dawson's Creek, you know what I mean? Like, this is Chloe's lake, this is her space. <laughs> well, and it's interesting that you say that, right? Because in some very clever ways, this cues us to read the ending of the film as this was never Bastian's story because yes. he's been dead. Yes. Has he, Joe? I found the ending very confusing. <laughs> and then I immediately went and read like 10 reviews and half of them uh -huh. were like, this is so good. And half of them were like, this didn't work at all. And I was like, well, Joe's going to have to tell me whether it worked or not because I don't know. I think the fact that people are uncertain and the fact that there is ambiguity, to me, that 100% means that it works. Because I don't think the film wants to give you the reassurance one way or another. To me, this doesn't read as a ghost story. It's not like Bastia was never there. But I do think that we can look at this as we're watching two different times sort of unfold. There's the events leading up to that fateful evening where... Bastien made a lie to the older boys where he said that he slept with Chloe and then she finds mm. out and he tries to prove that he can hang with the older kids and then he ends up drowning just him in the lake. And then there's a second timeline that we've never really encountered before, which is sometime in the future, maybe the end of the summer, maybe a subsequent year when the family comes back and we're seeing the memorial for Bastien. Yeah. It's a complicated ending, Joe. Like, I was mm -hmm. a little bit like, did I fall asleep for 10 minutes and miss a jump? Because I really had a hard time <laughs> <No>. <laughs> putting it together in my head. And, like, I know that I'm not, like, the smartest movie watcher ever, but I'm also, like, not a big dummy. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, it, it's deliberately fashioned this way. I think as something of a think piece, that to me is also why that timelessness works, because it feels like we're sort of slipping in and out of a particular timeline, not you know, Marvel world jumping, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't a cinematic universe of shared stories or anything. But I like how much it reinforces this idea that in some ways, this has been the most specific, vitally important summer because a boy died. Mm -hmm. But in other ways, this is every summer, you know, like, it, it really captures that feeling of youth, particularly like around Bastion's age, 13, 14, where Every summer is the most important summer because you're finding realizations about yourself. You're having these new experiences that feel world-defining, right? Like your first sexual encounter with a girl. And then in other ways, you're like, this is every summer. We do this every year. We have the exact same experiences. We see the same people. We go to the same shops. I sleep in the same bed. Nothing is changing. And I love the interplay of that. No, it is totally fascinating. And it's also interesting when you think about it in contrast with the source material, especially with Bastien Vive having screenwriting credit here, mm -hmm. because at the end of the comic, the character's name is Antoine and he's the sole survivor, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the film, the character's name is Bastien and he's the only person who dies. And it's right. like, it's really interesting to think about the ways in which there are autobiographical shifts happening mm -hmm. with the film, even though. The film obviously is not exclusively made by Bastion. Yeah, that's what's so fascinating about the fact that there are three screenwriters, one of whom is the original author, because it brings in these ideas of authorship, right? Like, mm -hmm. which people contributed what components? Was this uh, Charlotte LeBon coming in and saying, this is great, but I want to bring in this ghost story? 
I don't know anything about uh, Francois Choquette, the other screenwriter, but, you know, most of the time when you do something like this, it is a collaborative effort, but I'm fascinated by the introduction of this ghostly element and then the change in who lives and who dies, because I do really think at the end of both texts, it dramatically affects how you read the finished result. Well, yes, because as I said, in the for me in the comic, it really solidifies this connection between Antoine and Helene because mm-hmm. she has literally saved his life. Saved his life. Gone from like treating him like a child in a way that he deeply resented and that has impacted their relationship negatively to mm-hmm. the moment he realizes that she saved his life. Like that's yeah. huge. Yeah. And then flip it over to the film where his desperation to prove to her that he is either an equal or worthy of her attention, he's not just a shitty dude, ends up leading to his demise. And it's Mm -hmm. awful and tragic, but also it makes you think, oh, if only he had been more mature and not told the lie to impress the older boys, he wouldn't have gotten into the water. Yeah. It's wild. It is wild. It's wild. (laughs) And it's one of, this is one really good example of where, like, I think you gain a ton of interpretive data by having both texts, by having access to both stories. Because mm-hmm. there's so much to question about that ending with either text by itself. But then when mm-hmm. you layer them onto each other, it's like, oh, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> but it's also hilarious because in some ways, this is a very faithful adaptation. Like yep. a lot of these sequences are directly lifted from the comics. I do want to give one other shout out to a film moment and then maybe we can go into YA bingo but Mm -hmm. I love the fact that when Bastian dances at the party it's not a moment of you know horrible teenagers mocking a younger boy and making him feel bad he surprises everyone by being this fantastic break dancer and it was such a joy to watch this movie has real moments of joy and humor in it that you are 100% not expecting Mm -mm. even just based on its aesthetic alone Right. Yeah, it's too dreamy to be funny, and yet mm-hmm. here we are. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's worth <laughs> both of these are worthwhile. I mean, we definitely acknowledging the context around the original creator. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to think about in these texts. Some of which is, I think, strongly influenced by these larger questions about the creator himself. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm really glad we did this, Joe. This was not this was 100 percent your programming. This was not on my radar in the slightest, and uh, I'm glad I'm glad we went here. Yeah, and and it was interesting because I originally was just going to propose we do the film, not even realizing it was an adaptation, but mostly just saying, wow, we're into book six, Brenna, and we have Mm -hmm. never covered a Kobayakawa film. (laughs) Oh my god, is that true? I think so. Yikes. I could be wrong. Listeners, prove me wrong, but uh, if it is true, that is shocking and appalling. (laughs) Two solitudes to the max over here. (laughs) Bingo! Not a good bingo. Okay, we got to do female director or screenwriter. Yes. And I think we got to entertain the possibility that some readers are reading this book through a, the lens of this being an abusive relationship. So I think we yeah. should probably acknowledge that on the bingo card. Mm-hmm. Any number of perfect dates. Mm-hmm. Yep, lots of them. And many of them filmed in the territory now known as Canada. Absolutely. Gore, Quebec. <laughs> Interestingly, we do, I think, have the emergent good friendship that I think is really important between the two of them, even more than a sexual awakening. Less so in the film, the friendship component, but I do think it's worth raising. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we have a dead body question mark (laughs) to to put on the the table here. 
<laughs> well, I mean, he's definitely dead. It's just a question of when and when. how and And I guess there's definitely three dead people in the book version as well. Oh, sure. But they're not characters. No, they're not. They don't matter. <laughs> I will say, though, the way it's presented in the film definitely makes me want to give it Magic Supernatural. Oh, I think you have to. I think you have to, for sure. I think we also have to talk about Borrowed Time here, because mm -hmm. obviously any summer movie is a Borrowed Time movie, but it feels accelerated here because of the distance that um, Bastien has traveled in the film version, and because there's only one week together in the book version. Yes, indeed. Joe, huh. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not really a road trip because it's a vacation, but we're not really seeing where they come from. Yeah, we don't do the travel part, which is so important to the road trip narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Oh, wow. Okay, man. It's not really that kind of film, right? Like, no, not, not a not lot of tropes film. here. No, no, it's not. And it's, I mean... You wouldn't even really, if you were going to give it a genre, you'd be much more likely to put it in the ghost story genre than you would in the YA genre, I suspect. Mm, yeah, I mean, coming of age, for sure, to the point for where sure. I almost wonder if it's worth swapping out one of these blocks in the future and doing something about a, a coming of age and maybe like a sexuality or something like that. We used to have sexual awakening as a square back in the day. Oh, maybe we'll revisit that in the future. Book six, you often shake it up for a new book, Joe. So this just is saying, true. just putting it this out there. True. Okay, let me work on it. I'll come back in a couple weeks. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so not a line. No, but that's okay. I liked it anyway. <laughs> so, um, Joe, we're uh, hanging with the ladies for the next couple of weeks. We're going to watch the, as I've said before, critically acclaimed uh, film. <laughs> first daughter from 2004 you guys will hear the placeholder reasons why that ended up on the schedule but it's a fun conversation nonetheless um and then we'll be moving into much more truly acclaimed territory with mean girls from the same mm -hmm. year incidentally weird and the sociology book that inspired it queen bees and wannabes fascinating i'm super excited to try and tackle not just like a non-fiction book but basically a parenting guide <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be great it's gonna be great as two people raising teenage daughters in this world joe it's gonna be a good read I i'm i'm sorry what what what's happening <laughs> <laughs> yes and then after that we're into october so folks we're going to be spending an entire month on spooky mostly g-rated fair i've snuck one truly scary title into this but i think the rest of it is going to be stuff you might actually enjoy brenna Wait, wait, afterwards, we're going to have to talk about which one of these is truly scary. I was under the impression that none of these were truly scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of them are scary to me, so it still applies. Uh, it's not a measure of anything. <laughs> Brenna, if people want to uh, talk to us about maybe other examples of sketch or sketchy art <laughs> that we should think about for the show, how would they get in touch? Joe, I really thought you were going to ask for more examples of Quebecois cinema. Oh, well, that, I'll take that as well. I feel like Alexini is already prepping yeah. 18 to 20 titles for us. <laughs> yes, if you want to reach us, you can always find us by email, hkhspod at gmail.com. And we are now hkhspod on Twitter, Blue Sky, and Instagram. So find us on any of those spaces on the hashtag or the at sign. Although there's no 
hashtags on blue sky anyway joe it's we're gonna fine. have to tighten this up now that we have all these services um <laughs> where do they find you <laughs> i could be reached at beast on my remote and that's the letter b and I'm at Brenna C. Gray, but not on Twitter, or at Mittenstrings on the Instagrams. Mm-hmm. Joe? Yeah? Thanks for doing this one. Yeah, this was fun. Well, fun is maybe the wrong word. This was <laughs> ethereal and spooky <laughs> and contemplative and... I don't know. I just, I really love the visuals of the film, so I'm glad that we can finally cross it off the list. Sounds good. Until next time, I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. Yeah, he's he, he's not great. Joe and I were talking on off air. The movie very much presents him as your classic. The movie very much. Hmm.